Hey everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. And for some reason, I had a really hard time saying that this morning. I blame the cold medicine that I had to take. That's probably what the situation was in that instance. It's been kind of a rough week for us. Well, it's only a few days since we last recorded an episode because we're going to be gone for a hockey-related thing when we should be editing and recording and all that fun stuff. So there's that. And then my cold has gotten just worse as the past few days have gone on. So It's been interesting, to say the least. This is going to be a fun time. The good news is the episode will be short because there hasn't been that many things that have gone on in the time that it's been since Sunday. Well, I feel like a lot has happened in the past couple of days related to COVID and players and things like that, but we'll get to all that fun stuff when we hit those sports. Let's just start with hockey. (laughs) Right. As far as player health goes, William Carlson will be out four to six weeks for the Vegas Golden Knights because of a broken foot. He was hit by a shot during a game against the Anaheim Ducks on October 29th. Just goes to prove that skates don't protect your feet. Sometimes I wonder I wonder how much more padding they really need. I guess you need some for your foot. Well, you got to think, like, that rubber puck gets only harder the longer it's on the ice. So it's just like... Well, I don't know that that's true because you have the puck frozen before the game. So I don't know if that really works that way. I feel like it would thaw out as the game goes on. Well, on top of that, too, they're always rotating pucks, right. too. So, But haven't you ever seen the cooler full of pucks that they have to switch them out for? I guess I haven't been that close up and personal for it, but I know that it exists. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. But at the same time, like I can understand like there's really not a lot of actual padding in skates. It's more like the structure of the skate more than anything. Yes, that is a decent... Wait, he just picked up one of my pucks off my shelf. Yeah, and like this is, I would imagine, a demo puck. There's probably not much, well, no, it's, a, no. One of the, it's an official puck. Yeah, no, we buy pucks when we go to games that have been used for warm-ups. Like, they're specifically made to be sold later. Yeah, and the crazy thing about it particularly is like, imagine this coming at you at about 80 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I roughly imagine the speed that it hit him to break his foot. So, right. like, yeah, that would suck. I would just hope that it's actually four to six weeks because your feet affect your entire body. So, like, I don't know. I could see that taking longer. Yeah. And there was one that you told me about that was, like, really scary. Well, I actually watched the video for this one, and, like, this person goes down hard. So, Jonathan Druin is day-to-day for the Montreal Canadiens after he was hit in the head by a shot during the game against the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday, November 2nd. The weird thing is he went through concussion protocols and it was determined that he doesn't have a concussion. I'm like, how do you not? <laughs> like it's got a, a hard head. A puck to the foot can break your foot, but a puck to the head, nah, you're good. I don't understand it. But like also he went down really hard when it happened, and it looked like from the video I saw, he might have hit his head again when he fell on the ice. So If that's true, like, how do you not have, like, 12 concussions at once? Well, A, that's not really how concussions work. But (laughs) but B, yeah, like, 
Based on the way you described it to me, actually, I think I did see a clip of it because, like, it caught him, like, on the side of the head. Like, it didn't hit him dead center, but, like, just around the eye, right? Like, right in this region here? Right between, like, his eye and his temple. Yeah. And, like... So he might have been unconscious. That's maybe why his head bounced the way it did for, like, an instant. How did he not, like, shatter one of the bones in his eye? Because they're not super thick, the bones around your eye, so I would assume... No, it happens all the time in fights, like, you know, where people will be have that bone broken around the eye. It's extremely dangerous, too. It, it really seems like he got off lucky there. But, yeah. like, a puck to the head, you're still not having a good day. Right. And the major talk so far this week has actually been a trade that happened. I'm going to say finally, because like it's been talked about for so long. And I feel like a lot of people were just waiting for it to happen. Like we legitimately could have hosted whole episodes about all the rumors that were going on if we really wanted to go into it. But Except we, rumors are not news. Well, the world of sports disagrees with you, but... Yeah, they can. That's fine. My degree in journalism says something different, but... They are actually doing the damn thing, so maybe they know more than I do. But Jack Eichel was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights by the Buffalo Sabres on Thursday, November 4th. The Sabres ended up receiving forwards Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, and a top 10 protected first round pick in the 2022 NHL draft and a second round pick in the 2023 NHL draft for Eichel. It really seems like Buffalo just went... This is what it's going to cost for you to take this player. And they went, yeah, that's fine. It's just crazy because Alex Tuck is a 20 to 30 goal scorer. Like he's a good second or third line guy to bring offense to Mm -hmm. those lines. On top of that, you got their number one prospect, Peyton Krebs. So it's just like Buffalo's playing really well and they got the better end of the deal. They got two players, Peyton Krebs, at some point will play this year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And Alex Tuck's ready to go. Put him on your second line. They also ended up sending the Golden Knights a third-round pick in the 2023 draft. I don't think that's going to make a big difference for them. But the thing that gets a little weird here is the two picks that got sent from Vegas to Buffalo because it's called a top 10 protected first-round pick for the 2022 draft, which means if they get, if Vegas gets a pick in the top 10, then everything kind of gets pushed back a year. So it's like you can't take our top 10 pick for the 2022 draft. So that gets pushed back a year. The second round pick gets pushed back to 2024. So it's like we're having kind of a rough year right now. So if we make it to the top 10 for our picks, you have to just wait. Yeah. And I think it's just it's getting kind of strange all of the way the draft picks are getting traded around the league. And like, I don't know how teams can keep this straight. As well, too, though, you got to think, like, the draft lottery system has been broken, like, the last three years. So it's like, uh, you know, like, is it really going to make that big of a difference? I guess the one saving grace is there's no expansion team being added this year. Right, right. So it's not, like, two drafts. Right. But in response to that, they had a little bit of a situation. So they never put Eichel on LTIR for all this injury stuff. Right, right. Because Buffalo needed him to exist for them to reach minimum cap requirements by the CBA and the NHL. Yeah. So they had to make some kind of move and they did. So they made a trade for Johnny Boychuk's contract from the Islanders. Boychuk obviously got hit in the eye with a puck last year and announced his retirement uh, because he wasn't recovering that quickly from the injury as well. He had a concussion 
twice last year. Yeah. So it's just like. And you're more prone at that point, yeah. Right. So he was like, I'm out. So the Islanders dumped $6 million worth of cap space, which is something they needed to do in order to be able to make a move later in the year. Right. This is beneficial for both of the teams. I just still can't wrap my mind around the fact that they're having trouble hitting league minimums. And it's like, do you just not pay these dudes? Like, what the hell is happening? Like, I know you don't have a lot of, like, big names the way that my team does, the way that your team does. But at the same time, it's like, that's not a lot. I think that's the craziest thing about the Sabres. They have the second lowest salary now with Boychek's contract added right. on. Being the Coyotes just, like, hovering, like, a million dollars over the minimum. I feel like the Coyotes are just always like that at this point. Yeah. And so they're doing so well with these no-name guys that people were just fire-selling to Buffalo, basically. Right, right. And the crazy trades that they did at the end of the season last year. So, I don't know. It's just they're doing well with what they got. Yeah. And so it's like, why not take on a contract? But the reality is, like, you could have gone out and find somebody on waivers or something that you could have added for, like, real depth rather than... You could get an actual player instead of just putting in a buffer. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it works for both sides. The Islanders are going to have future considerations for a prospect or a player or draft pick. They really haven't said what they're going to receive, but it's future things. Right. So we'll see what happens. We did have one signing happen over the past few days, and it's Adam Fox, who has agreed to a seven-year, $66.5 million contract with the Rangers on Monday, November 1st. This one has an AAV of $9.5 million. This is what I'm shocked wasn't done in the offseason, to right. be completely honest. And kind of like the Eichel thing, it got dragged out. It wasn't related to injury, but like just it seemed to take way longer than it should have. Right. Like Fox was a key piece in their organization I last year. I think it's year. weird he didn't do arbitration. Well, he's still, I think, under contract this year. So oh, okay. like it's just an, it's an extension that he was trying to get done. But he would have been in a UFA at the end of the season. So it's like, you better get it done now or forever hold your P's and Q's. You know, it's done. And the next two things I want to talk about as briefly as possible because we've spent so much time talking about the Blackhawks and everything that's come out of that, and we've spent so much time consuming things about that as far as, like, podcasts and videos and, like, trying to be as knowledgeable as possible about the situation. So very briefly, I'm going to mention that Commissioner Bettman had a conference with Kyle Beach to discuss how the NHL can better protect its players in the wake of sexual abuse allegations moving forward. Bettman spoke about his, quote, sincere regret over what happened and offered the league's help, which includes mental health services. But the biggest point I really have to make here is that it is not Beach's job to educate the league, and to give them guidance as to how to move forward from this situation. He is the wronged party, and I think it's kind of crappy that the league asked that of him. I know that their intentions are to get better and to do better, and they don't know how to do that without talking to someone who's been mistreated the way that he has. However, you put him through enough. He shouldn't have to be the one to educate you on this. The reality is if, like, he offered his services, great. But, like, the fact that you just outright asked him, it's like, come on. That's just disrespectful. Like, if he came into the meeting and was like, hey, I want to help you guys with this. Right. Then by all means, be like, dude, let's go. Let's get it done. But, like, the fact that he was just, like, in the meeting, like, hey, by the way. Right, right. Did you want to help us with this? And it's just, it's so annoying because, like, 
you have to consider the fact that he has to now in the past like eight or so months relive this over and over and over and over again. Right. There's like no avoiding it. And like he's giving multiple interviews all the time and he shouldn't have to also tell you how to do your job. Right. There are companies that you can hire that will teach you these things just fine. And yes, oh no, it's going to cost us the glorious dollar, but like it's worth every penny to get this right. And I think there's also an uglier side to this that hasn't been talked about that it almost is a PR stunt because it's like, look, he's forgiven us because he's moving forward and helping us become better. And it's like, that may not be your intention, but that kind of looks like what you're doing. Right. And so I have a whole problem with that. But moving in a different like direction for the Blackhawks, because the team has decided to cancel Legacy Night for Marion Hosa that was scheduled for Tuesday, November 9th, which is the day this episode goes live. And the whole reason that we're taking our trip to Chicago was for this game. We bought airfare for two people there and back. We bought a hotel room for the night. We bought the tickets that were, to be completely honest, overpriced for a hockey game for a team that is doing so crappy and having so much PR problems. In fairness, we bought it before the PR problems came to light, so... True. You weren't playing well when we bought the tickets. Right, it was to go see Hosa. Yeah, that was the whole point. And the tickets were overpriced except for the fact that they were honoring your favorite player. Yeah, my favorite and my grandmother's favorite player, so... It's just, for us, it's too late to back out without... Incurring fees or losses. Yeah, and so we're still going to go, but it's kind of crappy. The team did send out on social media a phone number to call in order to get something from them. Some Something. We don't know because they don't answer and they, they don't call you back when you leave a voice And message. they haven't specified on social media, but they're like, if you specifically bought tickets for Marion Hosa Legacy Night, then call this number is basically what they said. Called it twice. Left two voicemails, no response. It's been a really great experience. I mean, we're probably going to have to try again before our trip to see if we can get in with them. But that's a whole other issue. It just, it's really frustrating for someone who wanted to go because he is your favorite player. And it's frustrating because, like, we wouldn't go to a home game for your team this year if it weren't for that legacy night that we bought tickets for because... We don't really want to support the organization. We don't want to support pocket. them. Yeah. We and, want to support the players, but not the owners at this point. Right. And like literally, I said, only because this is your favorite player will I do this. And then now we're just going to go to a random home game, which is frustrating. The saving grace is that it is against your Pittsburgh Penguins, and hopefully they just slaughter the Blackhawks. You got to hope. Yeah. You got to hope. And Chicago is our favorite city. We're going to get a deep dish pizza before we go to the game. Like there are upsides to going on this trip. It's just like the whole point of the trip is just gone. Right. The decision was announced on Monday, November 1st, which was way too late to be announcing this in my opinion. Was like just a week and a day from when it was supposed to happen. So yeah. The decision was made between CEO Danny Wirtz and president of business operations, Jamie Faulkner, as well as the player himself, Marian Hosa to postpone I got to think this was mostly Hosa's decision because I feel like your team's like, we need some sort of like positive stuff happening right now. 
but I doubt Hosa wants to be with them at this moment in time. Hosa is set to be inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto on November 15th as part of the 2020 class, which also includes Jerome Iginla, Kevin Lowe, Doug Wilson, and Kim St. Pierre. There was a statement released from Hosa that said, hockey is important, but it can never be more important than the people in it, which I feel like is solid. He's always been a supporter of like the mental health side of like the Players Association and things like that, so I'm not shocked to hear something like that from him. Right, right. As far as I know from everything I've seen, he is a solid person who has morals more so than most of the people I've seen coming out of the Blackhawks organization at this point. And so I'm not surprised he doesn't want to be associated with them right now. And so also this week, speaking of the Blackhawks, the owner of the Blackhawks, Rocky Wirtz, came out and stated that he wants Brad Aldrich's name removed from the Stanley Cup in response to the National Hockey League Hall of Fame. Basically X'd out Brad Aldrich's name. Like you, It looks ugly. It looks ugly, but you can't see his name. And I right. think that was the point that they were trying to get across was the fact that we don't want him on there. The reality is it's like how much does it cost to just do a replating of it and just put it there? Like I just don't – I don't get – the reason they just exited out, like, I feel like that was the cheapest solution to the problem. I don't know. I think, I don't understand, like, the full structure of each band, because I feel like you'd have to redo a whole band, but you're saying it's just that one team's thing you'd have to redo. As far as my understanding is, they're individually placed on because they just added the Tampa Bay Lightnings at the same time for the last championship. So while they were exiting the other one out, they had the guy there, so they were etching the, the other plate. Yeah, for this past Stanley Cup. Yep. And then also this week, the NHL Players Association Executive Board, which includes 80 players, which is kind of crazy. I didn't realize it was quite that large. Right, right. Voted in favor of investigating how the union handled the allegations that were made by Kyle Beach against the Chicago Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich back in 2010. So he filed everything properly is what yeah. he's claiming. And so the NHLPA is like, oh, crap, we better look into this because if that's the case, we really screwed the pooch. Yeah. We'll see what ends up happening with that. It is being done by an independent group of lawyers, not ones that have been hired directly by the NHL or the NHLPA. So, like, the money's coming from them, but, like, they weren't the deciding factor of who got picked, basically. Which I think is better than what we saw with the Blackhawks and the NHL in their previous investigations, so. But thankfully, moving away from the Blackhawks, because... That was way too much time on them. The Montreal Canadiens forward Cedric Paquette has been suspended for two games without pay for boarding Anaheim Ducks forward Trevor Zagros. Zagros. During the game in Anaheim on Sunday, October 31st, under the CBA and based on salary, he will forfeit $9,500. But that's not the only person who ended up getting fined for picking on this Anaheim Duck because... The New Jersey Devils defenseman P.K. Subban has been fined $15,000 for tripping him during the game in Anaheim on Tuesday, November 2nd. Like, two games in a row, this player gets beat up on enough that those two players that did it get fined. Yeah, that's kind of rough, but, you know, he's it's hockey. It's just not often that you hear about it two nights in a row. Right. I just feel bad for that player from Anaheim, like, getting harassed in back-to-back games. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have very good luck on his side, to say the least. 
And the last bit of NHL news I have is that Pekka Rene will have his number 35 retired by the Nashville Predators on February 24th before the home game against the Dallas Stars at Bridgestone Arena. He retired on July 13th after playing 13 seasons with Nashville. And I didn't know this, but he's apparently going to be the first Predator to have a jersey retired. I'm not shocked by this because they are one of the younger teams in the NHL. I mean, he spent 13 seasons with the team, so that feels like they're not that young. But he was like the guy for all 13 seasons. That's true. He only had like half of a season on the bench, so it's just like the dude was the dude. Like he was the guy until Saros came up, obviously, but over the last season or two. But the reality is I love, love, love the fact that it's against the Dallas Stars. And the reason being is since Nashville has been in the Central, they've never really found directly like a like enemy, more or less, team-wise. Like their rival. Yeah. Like for a while it was Chicago because we kept making sure they wouldn't make the playoffs. And like lately it has definitely been Dallas and Nashville. Like they hate each other's guts. And so I think it's kind of funny that they're going to retire a number in front of the Stars for a guy that, like, haunted the Stars for years. So I, I personally enjoy this. It's not, like, quite Carolina, like, trolling level, but it's definitely on the way up. Right. Well, let's keep on moving on over to the world of the NFL. What do you say? I don't want to because I don't like this first piece that we have to talk about. Yeah, it's even uglier than your notes said because you didn't realize that it was worse, but it's way worse. So... Basically, earlier in the past week, we found out that Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID and didn't play in week nine against the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been placed on the COVID list and his replacement will be the 2020 first round pick Jordan Love. But I found out yesterday, I don't know if the rest of the world found out on Thursday, but I did, that Rodgers lied and said he was vaccinated when he wasn't. And... It's not that he lied to the league because they knew that he wasn't vaccinated, but he went on social media and pretended like he was vaccinated. As well, too, the league allowed him to break their own CBA for the players, allowing him to stand on the sideline not wearing a mask even though he wasn't vaccinated. Right. And it's in a weird gray area where, like, like if it legally came down to it, Rodgers won't be penalized by the NFL, but, like, he should. Right. Because he put all the players on the sideline at risk, all the staff on the sideline at risk. It's just very childish. I just don't get why you lied. Like, if you don't want to get vaccinated, say that. But I feel like he didn't want to have to wear a mask. Like, that was the reason. Yeah. Because the league was letting him get away with it. So, like, as long as he pretended like he was vaccinated, he could do what he wanted. And the reality of all this, too, is the fact of the matter that, like... I've had conversations with other people and they, for some reason, think that the NFL is requiring people to be vaccinated, which they're not. It's just you have hoops you have to jump through if you're not because they still want to be safe. And he has not been jumping through any of them. So realistically, like, the NFL could find him for the regular season issues, but for the preseason issues based on the way it's it was their written, own fault. they're fine. Mm-hmm. But, like... The fact of the matter is he hasn't been testing daily like he should be based off of the current CBA for the regular season. He hasn't been masking up at the facilities when he's not in a practice situation. So he's basically pretending like he's vaccinated and that is against the CBA. So the reality of it is if I was a member of the CBA, which 
pretty much everybody in the NFL is because that's who represents them as a union. I'd be pissed off. That's ridiculous. I feel like you should be pissed off, even if you aren't with that organization, because you have people who are jumping through all these hoops so they don't have to be vaccinated. But this guy, because he's a big name, can get away with this BS. Or if you are vaccinated and you did it begrudgingly, I feel like you would also be upset with him. Well, and the reality is now he has to miss a total of 10 days minimum, no matter what. So that means he's missing two games. Then we top it all off with a little bit more for it is the fact that if he was vaccinated, he would have only had to get two negative tests and he could have been back. Now, I don't like that rule because the reality is like you could still spread it in that period of time. But the reality of it is, is his team needs him. And in turn, he just failed them in my mind in more ways than one, you know. I just don't get why the league let him get away with this. And all I can think is because he is who he is and, like, he's an important part of that team. 100%. That's the reason. And then we have a weird thing coming out of the New York Giants. It turns out that the people that they partnered with for the quick test, the rapid test, have had a lot of false positives pop up. And so they ended up having to cancel in-facility meetings, close offices to non-football staff in the wake of all of this. And so they've had to do PCR tests on all the people who got the false positives or all the people who got positives that may or may not have been false because it does turn out that one of the players was actually positive. Right. And everyone else had false positives. But they still have to go through these protocols until everyone's got two negative tests and all of that stuff. Needless to say, that company probably lost the contract for the New York football giants. I don't know. They should, if they can't keep their standard up. Well, but that's an issue that comes with most rapid tests, is that you get false positives. It's a higher number, and they don't know why, so they're digging into why they're having so many false positives. But, I mean, that's just an issue you're going to get with rapid tests. But speaking on the subject of player health, New York Jets' Mike White, who's their backup quarterback or QB2, left Thursday night game last night against the Colts. He injured his hand while throwing one of the two touchdowns that he threw during the game. Because he just threw it so hard, his hand broke. No, the follow-through went into another player's arm. Oh, I like mine better. Yeah. (laughs) But the... Crummy thing about this, this injury comes just two weeks after the Jets lost their quarterback one, Zach Wilson. So the third string quarterback who got hired on after uh, Wilson got injured got to play yesterday and he actually did pretty well again. So like the Jets almost made a comeback on the Colts, but because of that injury, the Colts were just too far ahead. Like there was just no catching them. It ended up being like 45-38, which is a lot closer than it was. At one point it was like 45-20, so... They made a little bit of a comeback. Right. But they are expecting to get Zach Wilson back within the next two weeks. So we'll see what actually ends up happening. I feel like they should just let the third string play it out for a while. See what happens. It was kind of an impressive outing from White just the previous week before that. So honestly, like, if your backups are going to get it done, next man up, let it go. Mm -hmm. And the Titans running back Derrick Henry is set to undergo foot surgery. They were saying there's no timeline for his return. He's been placed on IR, stuff like that. But they also said that a potential post-surgery recovery window is about 6 to 10 weeks for him. But they haven't stated when he's having surgery. So I think that's why they're having problems coming up with his timeline. 
Yeah, we'll see how long it ends up being. If the Titans obviously make the playoffs, there's a chance that he'd be back for the playoffs. If they don't, then obviously we'll see him next year, basically, at this point. Right. Vikings defensive end Danielle Hunter suffered a torn pectoral muscle uh, in the game against Dallas this past week. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. That sounds painful. Yeah. Like, I, I've never torn anything in my pectoral, but, like, partial tears in muscles even just... They're excruciating. Yeah. I can't fathom a, a full tear in, a, like, key muscle like that in your upper body. I'm sure it's fun whenever you breathe. This one is a little bit weird. So the Baltimore Ravens linebacker Malik Harrison suffered a, what they're calling, non-life-threatening injury from a stray bullet while he was attending a gathering on Halloween, Sunday, October 31st. He was struck in the left calf and treated at a local hospital. And the team said that he was placed on something that they called the non-football injury list, which I had no idea what that was. It's pretty self-explanatory, though. And he's going to end up being evaluated by the Ravens medical team this week. Sounds like he was kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time situation, which, like, that's tough. Sounds like I don't want to go to Baltimore. Well, the reality is you don't. Yeah. They don't handle crime very well there, so. It's just, it's so weird to me when stuff like that happens to, like, professional athletes, because you always think of them as, like... Untouchables? Yeah, like, not being in a situation where that would happen. Right. And then we'll get on to the subject of trades. There were a few of them this week, because the trade deadline was this past week, so go figure that there were some things that happened. Not as crazy of a trade deadline, though, as I honestly expected. I was... Thinking there'd be more because trade deadlines usually incur like 12 to 14 trades usually. We only really had three big ones. So uh, the largest one being the Denver Broncos traded away linebacker Vaughn Miller to the Los Angeles Rams. The Broncos received a second and third round pick for the 2022 NFL draft. The Broncos are, however, retaining $9 million of Miller's remaining $9.7 million salary. Yuck. To get that. What the hell? Von Miller is actively hurt right now. He's expected to be out about another two weeks. So I don't know if that was part of what it was, but... That just sounds like a bad trade, He's for the Broncos at least. Yeah, he's been prone to injury in his ankle. Like, he missed all of last season because of it. So the reality of it is, is they're concerned, I think, of him just getting hurt again and then, again, just paying him anyways. Right. So but you're kind like of also already paying, paying him, him anyways. anyways. Yeah. The deal is definitely one-sided for the Rams, especially if Von Miller stays healthy. But what's crazier about this is it gives the Rams literally a pro bowler in every position. As well, on their front line now, three of their four linemen are pro bowl players from last year. Maybe I don't understand what pro bowl is. All-star, basically. Because they're all pros. Because they're all getting paid to do the sport. They get elected into the Pro Bowl for the quality of their play from the previous season. So it's like they play it after the Super Bowl or right before the Super Bowl. It just kind of depends on the way the schedule is written. it's more football? Correct. It's an all-star game for football players. Okay. That's all you had to say. I understand now. Yeah. When you edit that, you'll love the fact that I said that already. (laughs) It's all good, though. Sleepy, foggy medicine brain. It's messing you up, and that's okay. We also had the Pittsburgh Steelers who have traded linebacker Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs for a 2022 sixth round pick. I don't like picks for players. We already know that. At this point, I think the Chiefs are just looking for something to work. Mm -hmm. It's like this season has been rough. Mahomes looks like he doesn't belong in the NFL and 
His old line doesn't look like it wants to protect him either, so it's just like double Maybe whammy. they're having problems in the locker room. Now that the cat is comfortably ensconced with the being on the desk, we will move on to the last trade that we have to talk about. And it's that the San Francisco 49ers have acquired pass rusher Charles Omenhue. Omenhue? Your guess is as good as mine. From the Houston Texans in exchange for a, quote, future late round pick. And I asked, can it get any more vague? Well, they did specify that it's a late round pick. I mean, true. They could just said for a pick. Yeah. Again, we know that I don't like picks for players. Right. And other NFL news, fun things. We know that your infamous love of the helmet guy, he's not related to this incident, but it was very much a helmet guy sounding incident. Okay. Um, So the time for Odell Beckham Jr. with the Browns has come to an end after the fiasco caused by himself and his father and LeBron James on social media. I didn't know LeBron James was involved. They both were complaining about the fact that the reason his numbers are trending down so much over the more recent seasons is because of the fact that Baker Mayfield doesn't throw to him when he's wide open. Okay. And when he does throw to him, he overthrows the route or underthrows the route. And I'm like, well, he is human. Errors do happen. He does make mistakes. Were they trying to say that this was like a malicious thing that he was doing, that he was purposefully trying to do these things? So I just like it. It was weird. Both of their statements was kind of just strange. Like, LeBron was more or less just like, let him go. Like, if you're not going to let him practice, like, just cut him and get it over with. Right. Which I get, like, at that point. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you're blowing up your your chances of staying with this team by doing this. And that very well may have been the goal. Like, they were trying to get him, he was trying to get himself traded at the trade deadline. The problem is... He got let go instead? Well, because nobody wanted him. Right. At that point. So, like, nobody wanted to trade anything for a guy that's going to be... No one wants a PR problem. Right. Exactly. And that's important in this day and age and, like, how sports work now. And, like, his dad ended up compiling a bunch of videos of, like, just how wide open he's been in certain games and certain routes. And I'm like, the thing of the matter is, like, there's a progression that quarterbacks go through. Maybe on that route, he wasn't the number one or number two step in the progression. So they didn't throw to him. Like, quarterbacks only get so much time to go through that. A lot of the times, they throw to the first two in the progression for the route, for the play. And the reason being is, they don't have the time to get to the third guy sometimes. And maybe he was the third guy on that route you took the clip from. You just don't know. I think I know what you mean by progression. You mean, like, when we run this play, you give it to this guy or this guy or this guy or this guy, and you have, like, an order you go down. And if they're not open, then you don't throw to him or something like that. Correct. Nonsense. That's what it sounds like. Either way, uh, in the middle of the night last night, about 1 in the morning, the Browns announced that they have cut Odell Beckham Jr. If he clears waivers, great. He'll be a free agent. If he is picked up off of waivers, they have to pick up a portion of his contract from the Browns, which obviously is what the Browns are hoping for because, you know, it's like we're just trying to be rid of the dude at this point. So. Yeah. But that's the negative other news from the NFL. Oh, but there's more. There's more. more. There's more. <laughs> So the, I want to say biggest of the bad news coming out of the NFL this week is that wide receiver Henry Ruggs III was arrested and booked on a charge of DUI resulting in the death of another person following a traffic collision in the early morning hours of Tuesday, November 2nd in Las Vegas. Late on Tuesday night, the Las Vegas Raiders announced that they have released him 
And the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department announced on Tuesday that officers responded to a traffic collision involving a Corvette and a RAV4. Responding officers located the RAV4 on fire, and the fire department personnel located a deceased victim inside the Toyota. The driver of the Corvette was Ruggs, who remained at the scene and showed signs of impairment with a blood alcohol level at twice Nevada's legal limit. 0.16. Yes. And he and a 22-year-old female passenger were transported to a local hospital to be treated for non-life-threatening injuries. In addition to the charges of DUI resulting in the death of another person, he also faces a charge of reckless driving. And it recently came out that he was driving at 156 miles per hour before the sports car slammed into the rear of the other vehicle. So they've updated the report a little bit. He did slam on the brakes to try to avoid the person, but... He ended up decelerating less than 30 miles an hour. So it was still well over 120 miles an hour whenever he ended up hitting the other person. I think he decelerated from 156 to 127 by the time he actually ended up colliding with the RAV4. And to clarify, this wasn't on a highway. This was legitimately on a side street where this happened. So it's just like... 156 miles an hour on a side street? What the hell are you thinking? That's got to be at least three times the speed limit. If not more. Right. Maybe it was a situation where he's like, well, I only feel buzzed, but this person is very, very drunk. And so out of the two of us, I should be the one driving. Incorrect. Neither of you should be driving. You have enough money to call Uber. Or Lyft. Or a personal driver. Let's just go on. The list goes on. Like... Or you have, hopefully, friends and family you can call and be like, I'm really drunk, can you pick me up? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure also in some cities, AAA will pick you up if you're drunk and take you home. Right. So, like, in this day and age, you have no excuse. I don't care how drunk you were. I don't care how drunk your passenger was. Neither of you should have been driving that car. Right. And, like, honestly... I can't fathom how the family's handling the death of their daughter. Like, she's 23 years old. Right, right. As you get older... so much life to live. As you get older, you realize that, like, that is young for someone to die. Super young. And she made no bad decisions. She was just driving. Yeah. I mean, even if she did make a bad decision, it's still not her fault. Right. So, like, I assume there's going to be a wrongful death suit coming from the family at some point, and... I would hope that that ends this guy's career. But as for what I've seen coming out of sports lately and in the past, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Yeah, so based on the charges that are being brought against him in the state of Nevada, it will be anywhere from 20 to 30 years that he will get for this, depending on whether they do a plea bargain or whatever ends up coming to fruition. But like, I mean, that's a whole problem with our justice system we're not going to get into. We'll see if he actually ends up doing time. Yeah, and we'll talk about it because... That type of crap is what makes our podcast sometimes. It just seems to keep coming at this point. Yeah. Because there's more stuff in the other leagues as well. So good job, everybody. You make me proud to be a sports fan. But moving on to the MLB, hopefully there's a little bit lighter, better news. The MLB is light in news this past few days because the World Series just ended. We do have one trade that's come out. I'm sure more will happen as the offseason continues. Right. This week, it was Tucker Barnhart, who was traded to the Detroit Tigers from the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for an unranked third baseman prospect named Nick Quintana. 
Or Quintana. Just depends on your pronunciation and where he's from, obviously. Right. Yeah. I have never heard of this person, but also I don't follow the MLB, so I don't know. It says he's unranked, so I assume he's pretty low-tier player. I would imagine so. But if you don't know him, then I'm not surprised I don't know him. Yeah, the only Quintana I know is Jose Quintana, and he used to play for the White Sox, so it's been a few years. Yeah. But the biggest news coming out this week, I think, is that the Braves have won their first World Series title since 1995. Yeah, needless to say, the city was pretty pumped. Yeah, and they're having their parade today as of when we're recording, so that'll be over by the time the podcast comes out. But I feel like if you're in a city that gets to have like a championship parade, you have to go, right? I would make time for it, for sure. But they ended up doing like this tiered release of... I don't want to call them tickets because you didn't have to pay for them, but you had to like say you would be there. Yeah. And so season ticket holders got to do it at like the prime location. Well, they got to pick their quote tickets very early in the morning, the next day or the day after that, something like that. And then other people who aren't season ticket holders, but are like part of their mailing thing. And then the general and public. then the general public a few hours later. So. But uh, the Willie Mays World Series MVP award was announced and given to the Braves player Jorge Soler. He ended up batting 300 through the World Series uh, games, which is really good. So I'm glad you told me that. That number meant nothing. Basically, one out of every three times he comes to bat, he got on base, which is good. Good. Okay. Especially against World Series quality pitchers. So, like. By the time you get there, the pitching staff is pretty much at their A game. So yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. He also hit the game-winning home run in Game Six, so that kind of helps to you know stack up that MVP request. And then the last bit of MLB news this week is that San Francisco Giants catcher Buster Posey officially announced his retirement on Thursday, November fourth. In his statement, he explained how much more difficult the sport has become physically as he's gotten older. I'm sure you understand that a little bit. As well, he talked about wanting to spend more time with his family. So I don't know how long he was with them. It didn't say. He was drafted by them and he played with them through his entire career. So at least But I don't know how long that was is what I'm saying. Was a pretty good chunk of time. Yeah. The reality is as a catcher, I'm always shocked when I see older catchers in the MLB because it's just like your knees how are, are your knees still in place like how are they not so screwed up that you can't do anything because like even for me it was just the high school level that destroyed them you know like i was not doing well at that point in time so like i can't fathom like oh yeah i played all the way through college and then played 13 plus seasons in the major leagues like just like holy crap like i get it they probably have better physical therapy people for you at that point in time to take care of things like that but man I have to wonder, like, could you be a catcher who gets a knee replacement surgery? Like, do they allow that? Or is it kind of like the Eichel thing where, like, we don't want you doing that to your body for this sport? You probably could. I just don't know that you would be as efficient of a catcher with a knee replacement. Right. Because you don't move as well even once you're fully healed from a knee replacement. It's just, I don't know that it would be a good decision. Now I'm coming up with, like bionic catchers in my head i would watch that baseball game yeah robot catchers yeah yeah regular baseball however super boring throwing robots and sassy ai and i'm in that's so dumb (laughs) i just i can't get behind that i'm sorry just can't do it well fine (laughs) 
There goes my robot baseball league. Yeah, it's out the door. Sorry. As far as the NBA is concerned, we have a few injuries this past week or five days, whatever. Miami Heat's Max Struess is expected to be out for a couple of weeks due to a knee sprain. The injury happened in the final minutes of the game against Memphis. The team said that they feel lucky that the injury isn't worse. So I imagine that that did not look pretty when it happened. I didn't watch the video of it, but I would imagine if they were concerned, then yeah, it probably wasn't that great of an injury. And D'Angelo Roussel exited the Magic Timberwolves game with a right ankle sprain. The injury was announced during halftime. However, there were no further updates as far as his status goes. And apparently I said his name wrong because you were looking at me so weird. I heard it. Russell? I was petting the cat and then all of a sudden I heard Roussel and I'm like, we're not talking about hockey. <laughs> um, D'Angelo Russell? Russell, correct. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wow. Oof. You know, spelled like that, it's Roussel in hockey. So, like, don't blame me for leaning on the sport I usually watch. Roussel is spelled R-O-U-S-S-E-L-L. You didn't have to call me out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rude. <laughs> Just saying. And speaking of LeBron James, like we were earlier, I expect that he got really bored and that's why he got involved in that thing earlier because he is expected to miss at least a week with an abdominal strain. And it's said that the Lakers are being cautious with his injury early in the season. I guess they want to make sure it doesn't get worse. Yeah, because the last thing you want is an ab muscle strain when you're like jumping and slam dunking and things like that. Like or you just use your breathing. abs. Yeah, it's just all around. A thing you should probably take care of. Like I told you, more of people behaving poorly. The NBA has asked a law firm to investigate the Phoenix Suns after a published report on Thursday, November 4th, detailed allegations that owner Robert Sarver has a history of racist, misogynistic, and hostile incidents during his 17-year tenure in charge of the franchise. The article came from ESPN, who said that they talked to dozens of current and former team employees for the story, only some of which are technically on the record. In the report, Sarver denied the allegations through his legal team, and the Suns also denied the report in a statement released on Thursday. League spokesman Mike Bass said that The NBA has not received a complaint of misconduct at the Suns organization through any of our processes, including our confidential workplace misconduct hotline. So they're saying if this happened, no one has reported it to the league, basically. It's being reported. That's why you're being investigated. Well, I mean, it's being reported to ESPN. It's not being reported through official channels based on that statement. Yeah. We'll see what ends up coming out of this. I am tired of this this should not be news this should not be happening yeah we should be talking about a sport that you and other people love and not people doing incomprehensible things agreed wholeheartedly and it's getting really old really fast i could imagine well like especially for someone who doesn't like sports in general like i like hockey and sometimes i watch soccer and that's about it and it's frustrating for someone who isn't really into the other sports having to go and more people behaving badly. Hooray. So we'll just have to wait and see what comes of it. But speaking of soccer. So the MLS has had some changes coming to one of the teams. 
The Houston Dynamo, who are not doing well, I guess I should say haven't done well because their season is officially over, have hired Pat Onstad to be its next GM. He was a two-time MLS Cup winner with the team in the past, and he spent the last eight seasons in the Columbus Crew organization. He also spent time in the DC United and Toronto FC organization, so he's got some work history with management and upper management. But the club wasn't finished there because just three days after that, the Houston Dynamo announced that Tab Ramos is out as head coach for the organization. The Dynamo completed its season on Wednesday with a record of 6, 16, 12. It's rough. You never want that first number to be a single digit. Never. Never, ever, ever. But it looks like they're not going to be at the bottom of the table. It looks like they're going to have two teams that have done worse than them, which is hard to believe. Including FC Dallas. Yeah. And so they're going to have to find some new people to take over for next year. Clearly. Probably some new people, some new players, some new assistant coaches. Just got to move everything around a little bit to get stuff going again. Yeah. But the World of the Champions League has been going on this week, uh, earlier in the week. So we had games both on the second and the third. Borussia Dortmund lost its second game during the group stage this week. So you've played four games so far. You've lost two and won two, as it were. Yeah. They were defeated by Ajax 3-1. to one. Ajax also beat you guys 4-0, to zero, so your two losses came from one team in the group right. stage. The team announced that they're challenging the red card that was given to Matt Hummels during the game, even though it was confirmed by VAR. I haven't seen this, so I don't know how like blatant it may or may not be. I searched hard for the video, and I really couldn't find it. So if it's confirmed by VAR, though, it's like... What are you even doing challenging right, this? Right, yeah. right. Uh, But to qualify for the final 16, they will need to defeat Sporting Lisbon on November 24th in Lisbon. Lisbon and you guys are actively in a draw, basically. So you're going to have to beat the pants off of Lisbon to make it all work. Uh, In better, brighter news in the world of Champions League, Bayern Munich defeated Benfica 5-2 to clinch their spot in the final 16. They still have one other game against Dynamo Kiev on November 23rd. This game will determine seeding in the knockout stages. They'll be playing in Kiev. They've already played Kiev in Munich, and they won 3-0 to in Munich. So hopefully they get a similar result, and that'll put them towards the top of the levels of ranking. But other than that, I think that's all the soccer sports-related news we have. So I think that wraps us up. Yeah, it hasn't been a full week, so we don't quite have as much news as we would if we recorded on Sunday. But again, we're not exactly going to be here for it. But we appreciate the time you've given us today. Make sure you guys remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And also stay in touch with us on all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you on Thursday for a book episode. Bye, guys. Bye.